Welcome to The Soul Connection, an exploration of the interconnectivity between our social influencers, physical and emotional well-being, with a spark of spirituality. Please welcome your host, The Soul Doctor, Dr. Christiane Lepertz, known as Dr. K. Welcome to the Soul Connection. I am Dr. K, and we have just had a phenomenal exchange here in Phoenix, Arizona. We are talking about a very near and dear subject to my heart, and it's health and medical freedoms. To my left here, I have Senator Nancy Bartow. She has been just really since what 2016 producing legislation after legislation, fighting in the trenches for our health and medical freedom. And I thank you so much for all your work, and we'll, we'll discuss some of your work here. And running for Congress, yes, Jeff Zink, with a K, mm-hmm. and uh, he is all charged up to go and represent this great state and help us actually have say over the autonomy of our bodies once again. Absolutely. All right, so in the last hour, or last couple hours, we've had some phenomenal discussions with health experts all over the world about what has really happened in our country. And I'm going to summarize it as to a blatant disregard for the Constitution of of America and for our rights, our amendment rights. And so um, in the end, we're fighting for freedom, freedom of speech. You have proposed bills for medical speech. Freedom Medical Speech and Practice Act in 2016. And, uh, but this really is across all of life because you can't just quiet people. What if there is pertinent information that needs to get out to save someone's life? So I want to just have you share for us, you know, what you have been doing and because I believe other states need to hear this. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. K. It's just an honor to be here with you and, and Jeff. It's um, our honor. It's, uh, yes, it's it just a little bit about, about me. I've actually uh, been serving in the legislature since 2006. And over that time, I've just seen the increase and the collusion and the vertical integration of healthcare um, and government control of healthcare. And, you know, the bigger the government, as they say, the smaller the citizen. And when, when it comes to healthcare, the smaller the patient. Um, Government has truly gotten in between the doctor-patient relationship to the point where I think a lot of physicians and healthcare workers really are frustrated. Um, Big big healthcare systems are buying up physician practices and then protocols come down from on high in the hospitals and through the practices. And it doesn't matter what the individual patient needs. They have to abide by these protocols in order to get paid because that's the bottom line. The bottom line is the bottom line, as they say. And as you say, it's it's a matter of freeing the patient and freeing the information because when physicians do want to step out of the box, um, a lot of times they're punished or they're retaliated against or their licenses are, are attacked and they have to spend hundreds and thousands and maybe millions of dollars to defend their licenses. It's not worth it to them to take the risk. So it's up to politicians to listen to our constituents, both on the patient side and the provider side, to start rectifying the situation. 
and uh, passing bills like the Patient uh, Protection Act and the Free Speech and Medicine Act. What, what, what that entailed uh, in 2016 was making sure that physicians could prescribe off-label drugs, which is legal, um, right. without, being, without being taken to test by their medical boards. It was unfortunately unfortunate that we had to have laws that uh, uphold that philosophy mm-hmm. and that long-standing tenant. Um, but in Arizona, uh, a nurse practitioner came to me and she had uh, an experience that she fought um, firsthand, lost her license, spent $5 million to try to defend her, her nursing license and lost. And there was no patient harm involved. Um, what did she do? She prescribed Benicar off-label. And, and we explain to the audience what off-label is for some people who may not well, know what you're about, talking about. About 70% of drugs, and any physician will, will know that, are have other uses other than what the primary purpose of the drug is uh, approved by the FDA for. And so they call those uses off-label uses. It's very common. And so, uh, but if, if it's a different type of standard of care, which again is sort of a nebulous term that can be defined in many different ways, depending on different types of health boards, licensing boards, and their view of what a standard of care should be, they can be challenged. Well, it's, they can even be challenged for speaking about a protocol that's used on it. And which is why we, we expanded the language protection in the law to say that any physician that, that, or, or provider, I don't like the, the term provider, any, but that's kind of where we're at. Well, I prefer that because do I really? do hyperbaric oxygen therapy and I'm off-label usage for wellness. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, there's a, there are a lot of uses for, uh, for, for all kinds of, of drugs and for different Practitioners are practitioners. They're, they're treating their patients as individuals. And so when they find something that works for one patient and then they see, hey, this worked and, and we're seeing the same signs in another, um, they, they should feel free to use what works and, uh, and not be hindered by uh, artificial definitions of standard care. Right, because they didn't take an oath to the CDC. They didn't take an oath to the WHO. They took an oath to the patients for the patient care. So inadvertently, the government is really coming between the oath that the doctor has taken and his integrity or her integrity, what she stands for, which is a moral crisis in our healthcare. Yes, it is. And uh, it's, it's, get, it's gotten to the point with COVID that we've seen it on steroids. No pun intended. Right. But um, what we've seen with the suppression of early treatment, we, we shored up the uh, the Free Speech and Medical Practice Act uh, from 2016 to the Pandemic Protection Act uh, in 2021, just to apply to a pan- to during a pandemic, so that physicians and other providers who were prescribing uh, off-label drugs, such as ivermectin or other things like hydrochloroquine wouldn't suffer the same consequences as that nurse practitioner in 2016. So it sort of flew under the radar. And I think a lot of practitioners don't know mm-hmm. that we got that bill done. 
I did a press release afterwards, but uh, we wanted to make sure that the bill got signed so we didn't uh, make a real big deal about it so that I could get the votes for it as it was going through the process and goes on. Unfortunately, with the, with the political uh, environment we're in, sometimes you just have to do things as quietly as possible just to get the, the, the job done and then get the word out later about the effects of it on, on right. patients and the physicians. But a lot of what you, you're bringing to light the bills really are our First Amendment rights and Second Amendment rights and Tenth Amendment rights for the, govern, for the states to self-govern themselves. And, you know, I mean, it's unfortunate that we have to go through and, you know, here's a safe compounding bill that you put forward that protects compounding pharmacies from the federal government. Yes. It, it really floored me that our, our local compounders are in the crosshairs of the FDA uh, simply for doing the job and treating patients as in, individuals. Uh, the more I learned about the importance of compounding on physicians uh, or on, on the patients that utilize them, I was just really amazed that the pharmaceutical industry would go that far, but uh, they, they really hate competition. Mm -hmm. They despise competition as if they're not making enough money already. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> But they've got they've got a pill for it all ready to go. So it's it's really incredible that we had to pass a bill that says you can continue to do what you're what you're doing, and um, so that if it is challenged uh, at the federal level, they have the, the state statute to stand on and can be defended. Well, that's a very good point. So we're talking about basic rights, mm -hmm. and Jeff, you've you've had some. Unique experiences. <laughs> you were the only congressman to be part of the Arizona State Audit, mm -hmm. defending the free elections. And, uh, you know, all of these bills that we're talking about that she's putting forward, right to refuse hospital visitations, where you're, you're, you're giving people the right to see their people before they pass on or if they're vulnerable, religious exemptions, these are all rights. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have elections, then people like her producing these bills that are actually keeping our rights in place are at risk. So Absolutely. tell us about uh, some of your experiences with that. Well, one of the things, and I want to piggyback on <clears throat> that, you know, Senator Bartow has, has given me a great uh, lay of the land of what I can take it to federal level. Um, the thing is, is that what a lot of people don't understand is this, we have 50 different states that have 50 different types, sets of laws that we are to govern. When our founding fathers laid this country out, it stated that the states are supposed to be the ones that are in power. She's supposed to be more powerful in her position than I am going to federal government. Right. That's, a, that's a weaker position, yet when people think about it, they're going to look at me as a as a uh, congressman and think that I'm more powerful than our senator, state senator, or state house of representatives. That's not true. the The thing is, is that what's even more disheartening, we haven't taught the education so that the people know that they're truly in power. They are the ones that have the final say. If they then talk 
and they can use their vote. So where that comes into is that voter uh, integrity that we've been looking at and been talking and what I've been testifying at the Senate level with Wendy Rogers and Sonny Borelli and all of them. And we've worked together uh, in trying to uh, do this. The thing is, is that if we do not get uh, a single vote day, a ballot, and it's going to be hand counted, and it needs to be hand counted at the precinct level. If we don't get that, anything uh, less than that, you put something between the voter and their uh, ballot. It's very much like the uh, uh, what's taking place. The government has inserted themselves between the patient and the doctor. They're now inserting themselves between the, the uh, uh, voter and the ballot. And in every form, we are now finding that our, our federal government is taking our liberties away. See, the thing is, is that, uh, and let me explain the difference between a freedom and a liberty. I am free to hit you. My liberties and your liberties prevent me from doing that. That's what people need to start to understand. We've got freedoms. But what they're actually, the federal government's going after is the liberties, which actually are those founding principles that our founding fathers had set uh, together and, and is trying to allow us to be the individual that lives their life without the government's interference. And what's happening is, is that they're now interjecting. So now we have to have really good senators and House of Representatives at the state level that are now having to protect the Arizona people from our own federal government because we don't have uh, federal uh, people with a backbone that will stand up and say, no, I'm sorry, but you can't do this. This is not something that you can trample on the liberties of our, of our uh, people. And that's what's taking place. So the, uh, the thing is, this all goes hand in hand and why it's so important that we, we fight the fight that we do. And then we start holding uh, accountable. If I don't do right at the federal level, then Senator Barrow should be able to call me onto the carpet in front of the Senate and dress me down. And it does not happen. We've got to start holding people accountable. So our state holds our federal people accountable. Our, our, our federal people hold our state accountable as well. And if we work together, but here's the thing that really bothers me more than anything else. We had our federal government come in and close down our churches. See, the thing is, is that healing takes place in all aspects, but we have the greatest physician that has ever been which is our creator. And if you want to demoralize and you want to destroy a culture or a people, then you separate them from God. I could go to a strip club. I could go to a liquor store. I could go to Walmart, but I couldn't go to church to worship God. That has to stop. And I promise you, if I'm at, when I'm elected and I'm in there, that I will make sure will be one of my biggest fights because the great physician, God, who created us in the womb, he's the one who heals us. And I'm living proof of how he can heal. So can you tell us a little bit about being on the floor of this audit? Uh, absolutely. So the, the aspect of uh, uh, running the audit, what my job was is that 
I was over uh, vetting everybody out. So people who got onto the floor had to be vetted out. So I did their background checks. I did their uh, uh, social media. And I also did their verification that they were voters. Once they were allowed to get there, then I also did all of the uh, scheduling for all three uh, shifts. Then um, I was over what was called the Cheetos. They're, they're the ones that did the observation of, uh, of that. And I was very careful in where I put myself. And the reason why is, is that I never wanted to be in contact with a ballot. So I never touched a box. I never touched a ballot or anything else because I, I knew I was a congressional candidate. And I never wanted the, the audit to be tainted that, oh, we had this guy that was actually, you know, hands on with the, with the ballot. So I'm always very, very clear as to what I was doing, which was observing the process that took place. In that, what we found were, were things that were not normal in nature. Things like patterns that emerged, five votes for one person, one vote for another, four, one, three, one, two, one, 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 and that pattern would, uh, would repeat over and over. The most egregious, which our great Attorney General Mark Burnovich has on his desk is my affidavit, 95 votes for one person, one vote for one person, and it repeated five times. To give you an idea statistically what can happen, you can win the lottery, celebrate that, walk outside and get struck by lightning before 95 to one repeating five times can happen. That's the things that we, we saw. We also saw things like uh, different types. So our Senate and our House uh, uh, governed what was taking place for the Secretary of State who would run our elections. They, it, it states very clearly that there were a certain uh, length, a certain width, a certain thickness, and some other things that I can't go into detail, which are also in, uh, acted in those ballots. We found things like one lawful ballot and nine different unverifiable ballots. So there were 10 different ballots that was, that was also uh, brought out. Out of the nine unverifiable, what we found was, is we found things like yellow paper that was printed on, uh, a gray paper, uh, an off gray, an off white, a pristine white, a white with a red sheen, a white with... Uh, with a blue sheen that was on it. Um, we have different things that that are on the ballot that is like a bullseye uh, in, on one side and a uh, plus on the other. And when you put a light through it, that plus is supposed to match inside perfectly in that uh, circle. So it, it's also to show that um, uh, it's calibrated cor correctly on both sides of the ballot. It's only supposed to get off by 3%. 3% means that the plus is still inside the circle, but yet it needs to be calibrated, recalibrated. So that means they're going to shut everything down. Here's the thing that we found. We found that that plus was 1,008% off center. Remember, we're only supposed to be three, but we were off by 1,008%. 
So it's things like this. It's a death by a thousand cuts. We also had, which is, re is really interesting. Now, the difference between Biden and Trump's win is just over 10,000. Oh, wait, we found 1,124, so it's 11,000 plus. Here's how I answer that. If I give you $1,000 and 400 of it is monopoly money, and you take it to the bank the next morning, what do you have in, in, in your bank account? You know, it's, it's not the $1,000. Well, what was the denominations of the monopoly money that was given? It doesn't matter. It's, it's fraudulent uh, and fake uh, money. So we don't, uh, so when we're looking at, at this audit and people, the number one question they'd always ask was, was who won? And I said, who cares? Because the, the unverifiable ballots was more than that. So here's the thing. Let's take Barnovich's 12-page report that he gave to Senator Fan this week. 100 to 200,000 didn't have a chain of custody. I got news for him. We have 2.1 million ballots that had no chain of custody. You know when the chain of custody actually started for those ballots? When they were turned over to the Senate and handed into our hands is when the chain of custody actually started. It never started with, uh, with the precincts. They had no chain of custody. They had no chain of custody when it went to MedTech. They had no chain of custody when it was put to the Board of Supervisors and put into their, uh, their uh, uh, vaults and sealed. And what was really interesting is, is that one of the uh, board of supervisors that shouldn't have had a key, had a key to the vault. So we have no idea just how much tampering had been taking place and everything that it, that it happened. And then there was other, another thing that a lot of people completely forgot about was before the Senate ordered the ballots to be uh, uh, delivered, they on their own boxed them up unsupervised, nothing took place, and then started to say, okay, well, here it is. And the Senate goes, wait a minute, we're not even ready. You can't do that. You have to put them back until we're ready and we have everything in, in place. What happened during that time? The chain of custody for all 2.1 million for Maricopa County was broken right then. So when he said 100,000 or 200,000, that's not even remotely close to what actually happened there. But again, just because I, am, I was personally involved from the very beginning of this, I'm the one that can sit down and say these things and everybody else can go, well, I don't know, I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't there. Well, I was, and I did see it and saw it firsthand. So because we had been talking about how close your majority is right now, wouldn't it be pertinent for the governor to even just call another special election? I mean, wouldn't I know it costs money, but the will of the people? I think a lot of people would have loved to see that. Um, unfortunately, that, that wasn't the direction that our, our executive wanted to go. And with our slim majority, like you say, in the House and Senate in Arizona, yeah. which we, is very polarized. We, oh, yeah. Well, 
Slim majority means 16 Republican senators, 14 Democrats. So you have a one vote majority and the house is the same um, in, in the sense of 31 to 29. So you can't lose one vote. Uh, so when you're trying to increase voter integrity through shoring up a lot of these loopholes and, and uh, making sure the chain of custody uh, laws are stated clearly, what are the expectations? Mm -hmm. How do you handle uh, off-site voting? Uh, how do you handle absentee voting? How do you handle the verification of a signature? All of that needs to be dealt with in law, we found from, from the likes of audit watchers mm -hmm. and our citizens that saw firsthand at the polls who didn't you know, take the initiative and put in the dedication to spend so many hours during that audit um, and, and see firsthand how they were handling that. Um, so all of the election bills that are going through the House and Senate right now, um, most of them are at risk of one vote and are failing. Uh, thankfully, we've gotten a couple of very, very strong ones passed and signed by the governor, um, but it only takes one vote to kill them. And so <laughs> my plea is that we need a stronger majority of people that really care about election integrity and that uh, recognize that we have a problem and our laws need to be fixed because mm -hmm. these, we're, we're talking basic freedoms absolutely here on the line it's the most sacred trust that a, that a citizen has is, is the right to vote the duty to vote and if they doubt that it's being done fairly they will uh just pull out and give up and um at that point we really have lost our republic but um we we have our work cut out in 2022 elections this year, both at the congressional level mm -hmm. in fighting uh, all of the, uh, just the, the myths and uh, the misnomers right. about what happened in the 2020 election and uh, on January 6th and all that went along with that. Uh, but certainly in the states, and Arizona is, uh, is a key state to win on this issue. Mm -hmm. Well, Arizona is really, um, following the way for a lot, in a lot of different ways for the nation. Health and freedom is one of them. And that's holding on by your slim majority. Yes. So people don't want these choices and they just want to be part of a system like cattle in a chute, then they can just go for the other party because that's what they're going to be is walking profit centers. The people who actually want to give people choices well guess what if you have an allergic reaction to a vaccine the doctors don't have to keep shooting with it how about that in california they don't have that right you know in, in california if you have an allergic reaction to peanuts and somebody keeps giving you peanuts well you you, you would be criminally liable but if you have an allergic reaction to a vaccine they still have to keep, keep giving you vaccines. And in Arizona, we have a so-called medical exemption here. We have a personal exemption here. We have a religious exemption up until uh, kindergarten. Yes, we tried to get that uh, extended through K-12. 
Um, but that bill failed in 2019. Um, but who can get a medical exemption? Because doctors don't recognize and don't connect the dots uh, for an, an adverse effect reaction to a vaccine that they believe in. They'd rather keep their belief intact than to connect the dots and um, take the initiative to report that vaccine effect to theirs. So right. It can be mm -hmm. counted among the millions of others. And uh, the Congress can do their duty and look at that and demand those reports that need to be given to them and hold the pharmaceutical companies uh, accountable for increasing the safety of the vaccines that they're responsible for. Mm -hmm. um, none of that is happening. And it's trickled down to a grave misapplication of, of knowledge yes. about vaccines and about vaccine safety. We hear safe and effective mantra ad nauseum, day and night and everywhere in between. And we're just supposed to believe that. But we know that patients' um, experiences with themselves and their children is, is, um, is different. And we know that uh, in countries where they don't mandate as many vaccinations, especially in childhood, um, that they have fewer chronic diseases. They do. We, right. we have to start looking at the facts and following the actual science and start telling the truth and giving patients the freedom to and the uh, opportunity to have true informed consent on vaccinations like they have in every other medical treatment. Correct. And, you know, if somebody has a reaction to penicillin, they don't go calling them anti-penicillin. They don't label people. If you have a peanut allergy, you're not an anti-peanut. But if you have an allergy to, it's not just the vaccine. It's the, they find formaldehyde. They find heavy metals mm -hmm. in the in these vaccines. They find um, acetone, right? No, acetone. acetone. There's a number of different things that can produce a reaction, not just the vaccine itself. And people don't even know what they're putting in their bodies. And if you're 300 pounds or a preemie child, you could end up with the same dosage, which is really extreme. Mm -hmm. And when we were children, our vaccine schedules were about 24 vaccines. Exactly. Now they're 72 and there's over a hundred waiting for approval because if they can mandate it into the school system, then every working parent has to put their kids through it and it's instant profit centers. And, and if we have uh, a majority that believes in the, uh, the religion of vaccines and uh, doesn't believe in informed consent, our exemptions are, are going to go the way of California and we'll end up with only one and that'll be a medical exemption, which is frankly uh, no exemption at all because of what we just described. Right, right. So earlier we had Dr. Lee Barrett on our teleconference and she really lit it up and I met her last week at a conference in Florida and she's going to be on my show as well as this Attorney for the Frontline Doctors, I want to make mention of her, Lee, Lee Dundas. And that lady, she has lit it up in Orange County, California. Look her up, listen to her. Um, she has taken on school boards. Literally, they were trying to make Orange County see how much they could 
get away with. And they started a lot of the same mandates that Australia was doing. And they were trying to change her, her kids' um, school into a vaccination center. And, you know, children, they can't go to war. They can't drink. They can't vote because they're not mentally competent to do these things. But you want to give our kids vaccines without the parents knowing. And let me tell you, she she stopped all that nonsense. And I, my hat's off to this lady. She really, really is a, a true fighter. But, you know, more people need to stand up like that. More people need to hear what you're saying is votes count. The Congress needs to be your, you guys need to board over your Congress people you're sending to, to, to represent you, right? Instead of we've built this government that lords over the people. When did that flip? When did the government suppress us instead of work for us? Well, part of that is, is that uh, it's the educational system that, that took place. They're not teaching civics any longer in schools. And the problem is, is that they're not being, if they're not being taught that they are the ones that are in charge, they're the boss, and that your your vote is to cast for the right person to be in, to truly represent your freedoms, your ideas, then uh, that's all been lost. So all of these kids are, are, are now being taught critical race theories instead of critical thinking skills. The, right. that those are things that are uh you know things that needed to be taught um i always thought that uh, because uh, when i was going to school that was a long time ago i know dinosaurs were walking the earth and all of that uh, but the thing is is that when i was taught part of my one of my classes was to balance a checking book was to do the, the ins and outs of daily life to prepare me for, for life. That's, those skills are not even being taught. I was taught how to sew, how to cook, how to clean, how to mm-hmm. do all those things. Of course, that was mom. Uh, but uh, the thing is, is that children are not being taught these principles. You have to pay them to do something. I'm sorry, this is family. You, we work together. It's a synergy uh, and stuff. The other thing, too, is, is that I, I think our uh, media is to blame for this because of the propaganda that's actually being uh, out there. Let me give you an example. If we truly went through a pandemic, we wouldn't have had to have heard it over and over and over and over in the media that we had this pandemic. Let's go back and look at the science. Uh, if you go back 40 years. 420,000 to 598,000 people died every year from the flu. Go back to 2020. Well, you see, just under, uh, just over 2,000 people died of the flu. Where did it go? So let, let's just take this. Let's just say that, because uh, we had in 2020, 790,000 people died of this pandemic. It's, it's awful. All right, well, let's take 500,000 of it and let's put it over here where the flu was out at one time, which disappeared and it didn't. And we plug that in. Now we have 290,000 people that is in a variant there that's different. That kind of spiked a little bit and that would be something we would need to look at as scientists. What happened? Well, evidence has now played out that 
It is a manufactured out of Wuhan, a virus that was introduced into our society through other, other aspects and means and things, which, uh, and, and that means that the people who died, I'm not saying that the illness wasn't there. It was there. I'm living proof that I got sick and, and stuff. But the thing is, is that here's my other hat. As an ordained minister, either God's on the throne or he's not. He either is the creator of us or he's not. I choose to say that he is. And if he is, then he gave me a mask. He gave me a vaccine and it's called an immune system. We live and walk in this world. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. As Christians, as people who believe in God, either we start getting serious about believing in our creator and going, you know what? We are uh, wonderfully made and we're made in his image. And we're not going to last one second longer than he says. Because when he has Jeff Zink is gone on this date and this second, I'm not going to be able to go, oh, wait, hold on, time out. I, you know, I'm going to stay here and everything else. No, everybody is, uh, going to be obedient to him. Even if you don't believe in him, you're still going to be obedient because your days are numbered. And so we as Christians need to start setting down and setting the example that, no, we're not going to be uh, afraid. No, I'm not scared of a, a, of a disease that's coming in because my God gave me an immune system that is strong enough that will handle it. I got over it. See, when we were younger, I remember this phone call. Oh, he is. Okay, great. I'll send Jeff down there in a few minutes. Okay, where am I going? Go down to uh, uh, your next door neighbor's uh, kids and play with them. I walk up and he's got red spots all over his body. He had the measles. Guess who come down with the measles three days later? I did. It's called herd immunity. And it's something that it doesn't kill us. We do get sick, but guess what? We're, we are here to do a, a job and a function. And until that job and function is done, God's going to keep us here. Why are we acting afraid? God didn't give us a spirit of fear. No. In God fact, every time. So yeah. And that's the thing. Every time that an angel came in and he says, do not be afraid. And one started to worship. He goes, don't worship me. We worship God. I'm, I'm a servant just like you are. So he's, the Bible has told us. But when you take the Bible out of schools, you take it out of uh, uh, the Senate, you take it out of the House, you take it out of any political realm, you take it out of businesses, and then you try to kick it out of our, uh, uh, the United States, and you wonder why we're heading to hell. It's pretty pretty easy. So for me, you know, my deal is is that um, you can have the Quran, but you can't have the Bible. You can have the Book of Mormon, but you can't have the Bible. What's wrong with this? Well, guess who's going to go to Congress and change that? Because that's what I am going to do. We're not going to restrict the Bible. We are built biblically uh, uh, as a country that we believe in God. Uh, and so... We need to start acting like it as Christian men and women. We need to have godly men and women stand up and say, no more. Exactly. I think that I think Americans do have a God, but it's become the federal government. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. in, a, in great respect. And even the states worship the federal government because we've given our uh, allegiance to them and taken their money instead, given up our sovereignty as individual states and said, you can rule us, but you have to give us money. And then the federal government withholds that if we uh, defy them in any way. We have to pay back. We have to ask them permission now to continue to give money. So we are, we are slaves to the federal government. I think uh, congressmen like you in the future and your colleagues have a great opportunity to do what I think I'm trying to do at the state level. Mm -hmm. And that is to reform the agencies and to turn that back around. We have to, part of our, our, our fundamental job as, as state uh, representatives is to run the agencies, to oversee the agencies, how they're doing their job. Are they living by, uh, working by and fulfilling their mission using their uh, state resources, federal resources, appropriately, as we tell them to do by statute. The feds have to do the same thing, and they need to be listening to you and the executive. And uh, it's, it's a scary time because it's easy to lose hope because we feel like, well, it's too, they're printing money now. <laughs> they have been for, for decades and decades, and are we beyond um, I don't think we can lose hope at this yeah, point. Right. I think we have to keep hope mm -hmm. because of who we truly serve and stand up and give people permission to believe the true God and no longer worship government. Oh, absolutely. Well, and the, and the great thing is, is that the Bible even tells us, Ecclesiastes 10.2 says this, while the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But when evil rules, the people groan. And we have been growing for so long. And it doesn't matter who's in the White House, Republican or Democrat. The, the problem is, is that we don't have godly people up there actually running because if they were, all of us would be good singing praises. And we've known this through history. You know, and, and the Bible has shown us where Herod was put over the Jewish people who was one of the most vile, worst uh, uh, rulers, and it was because they had gone astray. We have a gentleman here calling the resident because uh, he's not there upstairs, nor is he in the White House, uh, because I don't think he knows where he's at any time of the day. Uh, but the thing is, is that uh, this gentleman uh, is one that God has sent us and it is to remind us, and it is a awakening for people to wake up and say, I voted for this. I did this. This is what my result is and stuff. It, I mean, he's helping my campaign every day just by him opening his mouth. And, he, and the thing is, is that if we as Republicans and Christian men and women, if we don't take care, uh, advantage of this right now and start searching out and vetting those, here's something that I, I'll tell your listeners here. If you don't vet those candidates, and if you have uh, a person that's representing you that you've already put in office, if they're not representing you, replace them. But the person that you're going to replace them with, 
Ask them questions. What do they believe? What do they stand for? What is it that they're going to do? If you don't ask those questions, you're going to get the same thing. It's called insanity. I do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. You can't do that. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves, get dirty, and, and do the work of vetting out and making sure that you get godly people in there. And that's all the only way you're doing that is to get in their face and ask them tough questions. And the harder the question is, uh, you'll find that you might separate them and you will then weed uh, them out. And then you get a senator like Nancy and you get her where she works tirelessly on your behalf. In mine, I have an incumbent that is one of the worst Democrat, Marxist, communist persons in the uh, in Congress right now, and I'm your alternative. So that seems like a no-brainer, quite honestly. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thank both of you for coming forward today and sharing what's going on here in this state. Um, there's a lot of battles in Florida. We're always in the headlines, uh, thanks to our phenomenal governor, Governor DeSantis, mm -hmm. which the whole Disney thing is heating up there. But you know what? States have a right to rule. And he decides that they don't have special privileges. That's, that's our right within our state. So government needs to get back in its box. And we have 50 states for a reason. And I'm totally on board with everything you said, the congressmen need to be not lording over the state. The state mm -hmm. needs to vet the Congress people and keep them in line. And that should be in every state. So I want to close with a prayer for both of you, okay? Right? All right. Lord in heaven, I thank you, God, for this day that you have made. We are rejoicing. We are glad because we are alive to do your will in this next mighty move of your move on this earth, oh God. Lord, I thank you for these two beautiful Christian people, God, setting forth, Lord God, with your mantle, with your heart, God. Our rights come from you, not from man. The government is upon your shoulders, not man. Oh, Lord God, we submit ourselves to you, God, and we ask that you work through us, oh, Lord God, as your humble servants. For you say, if we humble ourselves, you will heal our land. And I believe that. Because it is your word, and your word stands for truth. I pray, O oh Lord God, that the truth comes forward, that any demonic plans have been sent out against our leaders, truthers, candidates, O oh Lord God, that they are canceled in the heavenlies, O oh God, that mm -hmm. these plans are torn down by your mighty angels and aborted. We file a, a divine restraining order against any and all witchcraft set against these people, any innocent blood that has been shed to per perpetrate any witchcraft, oh Lord God, we cancel it with your precious name, oh God. We shall be one nation under God once again, oh Lord God, and delivered from this day of uncertainty. And I thank you, God. I thank you for your moves in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you again for tuning in to The Soul Connection. We can be found at soulconnectionusa.com with our developing community. Please join us again every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Until our next show, find new ways this week and every week to make your own Soul Connections.